And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike on the line. We promised this episode for a couple weeks now, I think, but it is our annual Top 10 Feared Films with Swell, Michael, and Swell is on the line. Yes, Amanda of Swell Entertainment, welcome back. I think you've set a record with how many guests, uh, hostings you've done for us, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I did check our Skype call logs, and I have not been on since December of 2022, so I do feel like you guys have been neglecting our friendship, <laughs> and I will take it up with HR. The, which one of us is HR, Mike? Yeah, I was. I, I would say go check your texts and voice messages from uh, the recent past, Amanda. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, but this is like a new tradition for us in our Oscars year in preview series. It's our third annual Feared Films special with you, Amanda. And I want to go over our recent track record. Like you picked, you picked, uh, you went out there and picked Don't Worry Darling, The Gray Man before anybody was worried about those two films. You were, of course, you know, wrong about Minions, The Rise of Gru, but... Try and see that. But I know that Mike, for a fact, went as a grown man and sat in the theater alone and saw it. So I'm sure... I don't even know if you're making a joke, but that's actually what happened. I know, because you told me, and I was making fun of you in the moment. You told me you went to go see it alone. I was like, that's terrifying. Yes. And two years ago, you picked Cruella. Okay, that, that turned out. That surprised us. Old, you were dead dead nuts on old. And Clifford the Big Red Dog, of course, you were hilariously, wildly wrong about that one. <laughs> no, I was not. I was correct. And we learned that Mike is in Big Clifford's pocket. That's what we learned. That's, That's a bad movie. <laughs> Michael, you picked I Want to Dance with Somebody, Downton Abbey, A New Era, and Jurassic Park dominion debatable uh, as to whether or not i was wrong about jurassic park it was a bad movie but it may it did sniff a billion and in 2021 mike you picked the last duel luca and spencer i was wrong about spencer yeah, you're you were not wrong about luca that yeah. was pretty rough yeah. um I, th- I i picked the last uh, duel my generation was blamed for that failing so Nobody saw it. Oh, was just, I mean, and then the, yeah, the I know. Oscars and then joke. he blamed he blamed us for wanting action he movies. He didn't want to watch slow movies. That's what he blamed us on. Who Ridley he, Scott did? Yes. Oh man, blame millennials for being so into their phones and not wanting action movies. <laughs> well, maybe, he's going to be talked about this episode. Yeah, maybe millennials didn't watch didn't want to watch the same story told three times. Yeah. No, I think it was hours. the. Uh, I think it was the the uh, R scene. I don't know if you guys say the word on here, but uh, the assault scene repeatedly. Yeah, I don't think I, that was my my friend walked out of it. She she loves period pieces. She was like, I could not handle it. She walked out. There's if three of them said, in a single movie, Mike. Because oh, it's it's, it's different versions of uh, the same story, uh, uh, so they just they show it three times. Nah, Even though that. the the battle's pretty good. Anyway, I, I blame I picked... Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah, apparently you do. Uh, I picked. He was the one shining spot of '65. I'll give him that. This is how this movie. This is how this movie episode's gonna go today. Spaceman, the whale, three thousand years of longing. I guess I was at least. I don't know. I I didn't love the whale, but it won an Oscar, so or two. I'm a I'm a dumb. Well, everyone that I know that saw the Oscar were like that was either wildly offensive or a bad movie. So, but I think because everyone wants Brendan Fraser to be successful that they were like but he's great in it he was pretty great in it but I, i'm measured about the film too i i didn't love it uh i picked three thousand years of longing again being the ricardos and the many saints of newark so i was two out of three in 2021 oh you picked three thousand years of longing two years in a row two years in a row i was gonna pick that? i was gonna pick spaceman two years in a row but i will Has not it come out 
It has not, but I am no longer worried about it because of all the research I did, and I'm excited. No, I mean, 3,000 years of longing. Oh, yeah. I heard literally nothing about it. So bad. Zero. Terrible. But we agreed upon two films, Elvis and West Side Story, and I think we were 50-50 on those two. I have no recollection of us agreeing on Elvis, by the way. Yeah, I don't know if I had an opinion on Elvis, actually. I think it was the Tom Hanks of it all. Okay. In the trailers. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes. I think sense. I, if anything, I don't. I, I really don't remember. But I remember even watching the movie. Like, I they they had done too much advertising to show that um, um, Austin Butler had become Elvis. That I was like, okay, cool. This is gonna ruin it for me because now I'm just gonna watch El- uh, Austin Butler being Elvis instead of watching a character. You know. But he killed. I mean, did you like his performance as well? Uh, yeah, but I mean, again, it's like the, I, it's like, I'm watching Harry Styles and don't worry, darling. I'm watching Austin Butler play Elvis. Like, it's like, they did so much. What a comparison. What a comparison. It's the, it's, they, they, it took me out of the movie. Like I watch certain movies and I don't real, like I'm, I'm in the movie, you know, I'm not watching, um, you know, this act. I don't, I don't think of this as an actor, you know, to be fair. You probably grew up more with Austin Butler in like the Disney roles, I would think, too, okay. more so than Mike and I did. Uh, excuse you, he was Nickelodeon. Um, oh, so okay. Well, there you correct. go. <laughs> kind of proves my point. Correct. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Zoe One Hundred and One. I Carly, come on. He was he was the Nickelodeon heartthrob for years. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. Then that, that's a little more little he, more explainable. I think he was our Keenan Thompson, Mike. Right. <laughs> Right, right. One and the same, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, we have, I don't know, we have a weird list this year. So I don't know if it's 10 feared films, Michael. If it's 10 is a fluid number this year, I think. Seven plus. Yeah, it's it's seven, maybe six. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. It's probably good for the industry, I guess. To be fair, I mean, there was going down the list and all the, the year and preview stuff we've done, like, there wasn't. I don't think there's that many that jump out at me as opposed to previous years. So I think it is actually a good thing. Like, I don't think we're just like being lazy here. Yeah. So I am. I'm out of the loop. I am still being lazy. <laughs> I, I like Mike has asked me several times to do this and I just keep being like, oh my God, that's right. I said I would do a Thursday. Oh my gosh, that's right. I just got back from, I went to Tampa. I went to Georgia. I went back to Tampa. I went back to Orlando because I'm insane. Yeah, you <laughs> and are. I'm very you- tired. The, the pattern you've been on is, is unsustainable, I think. You need to sleep at some point. Hopefully it's not in the next hour, but at some point I think yeah. you need to sleep. It might be. Though. I mean, if you guys bore me, you may not have a choice. Fair enough. <laughs> swell snores. <laughs> snores will swell. Snoring with swell. Hours. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, basically the format is I'll pitch you the guys the first movie, and you tell me if you're worried about it, and we'll keep going. We'll, we'll trade pitches. So I'm going to start with Wonka. And Wonka is, of course, the Timothy Chalamet, Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory reboot prequel. And look, we have heard from Matt Bellany of the town on The Ringer and Puck that test screenings for Wonka, this was about six months ago, they were awful, right? And reshoots mm-hmm. were confirmed uh, back in February. Uh, of this year and timothy chalamet put on all the costumes again and did all the reshoots and all right so th- that's part of this uh and and i noted it back when this is also the paddington and paddington 2 team 
So that's like some conflicting information because they did a great job with the Paddington movies, I thought. Paul King, Simon Farnaby, et cetera, et cetera. But let's let's look at some some specs here, guys, because Wonka has a budget of $125 million. This is a December 15th release date from Warner Brothers, a Christmas movie time slot that is also targeted for Warner Brothers properties, the color purple coming out on December 25th, and Aquaman 2. It's very rare. Which that, has its own issues, uh, reportedly, anyway. Aquaman well, 2. Something's moving, as Eric Weber's pointed out. So does the entirety of the DCEU. That's yeah, true. <laughs> and it's we true. also have November belonging to Dune Part 2. November 3rd is going to be Dune 2's release date, obviously with Timothy Chalamet in a lead role there. So Dune 2, the Dune and Ng. <laughs> yeah, so we have we have a, a Chalamet going to be the star of back to back months. I'm 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 worried. Let's just say, here's the biggest worry though: the actual story. Here's the plot premise of Wonka. The story will focus specifically on a young Willy Wonka and how he met the Oompa Loompas <laughs> on one of his earliest adventures. So you mean it's the Despicable Me Rise of Gru prequel? And we know how Swell feels about that. Minions, yeah, that's right? literally why I read that. <laughs> I just thought, so it's just big old me. So I, Mike, go ahead, Mike. Well, I mean, we've talked about how problematic these characters are, and he—they're going to base the whole movie on meeting these characters. I don't know that meeting the slaves in this world is <laughs> oh where God. I would go. Well, I mean, what are Oompa Loompas if not just slaves to Willy Wonka, right? They are, and I mean, I, I, the the commentary on this movie, I think, is what will send me into a spiral because there will be people who will be defending the Oompa Loompa slavery as a means of representation, <laughs> and I think that that's where representation I'll have to draw the for line. who? I don't see <laughs> any people? little people. I don't see any little people cast in the IMDb list. And oh, I click okay, all then around. In that case, then, then, then they're stealing the roles. That's that. That'll that be yeah, that's that's the and bigger issue if that's I true. I mean, the thing about Wonka too, and also the fact that you know, I know we joke that Timothy Chalamet looks like a starving Victorian child, and that's why <laughs> that's the appeal because you want to feed him soup and things like that. I personally think I could take him in a fight. That's how that's how I think of Timothy Chalamet. Uh-huh. I'm really not attracted to him at all, but. Um, as far as Wonka, like, you know how popular those edits were of the original, uh, Wonka, the original Wonka movies, and then the remake with Johnny Depp, of uh, mm. the horror edits of like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but it's a horror movie. Why not go full horror movie? Because this is a psycho confectioner who enslaves people <laughs> and then tries to kill off children. Basically that like, that's what he's doing. They have to show you the kids at the end. Otherwise you would think they were dead. Like you, they have to show you the kids. So why not go full horror movie with it? The Oompa Loompas role in the plot is to be slaves for Wonka's profits. Yes. But also, their like one job during the story of the movie is to sing na 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 hey hey good, good goodbye songs <laughs> for the killing of each child. I mean, that's child like, murder. To be fair, that's a lot of theater kids like dream roll. <laughs> uh, look, honestly, if they did go full horror, like Amanda just said, I would be way more interested in seeing the movie. Well, that's why I'm worried about the Timothy Chalamet factor here. Like, he's done good movies. Let's be honest. Like, Call Me By Your Name, mm-hmm. Lady Bird, Little Women, 
his performance in Beautiful Boy was very good. His performance in Bones and All was very good. And this is a role where the actors have to really go over the top to pull it off. Gene Wilder and 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 the other guy. And there. he doesn't even need the studio play. I mean, he's in Dune already. He's in with WB. He's getting his big no, money. No, I roles. love I love that he like his someone told him not to do any superhero movies, but then he did Dune and now a Willy Wonka prequel. Yeah. Like it's like I mean, eventually, you either have the bad role of the Marvel movie or you have the bad role of his young Willy Wonka. He's due for a bad one. Every actor needs at least one movie that's kind of a flop, that's kind of like a, oh, this is a career low. And you'd rather have it when you're, you know, what is he, 24, 25? He's my age, right? Oh, God, that just made me feel weird. Anyways, um, <laughs> I feel like a failure. Anyways. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> He needs one now versus You can see why Mike and I are so 40. mentally stable in this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but he needs – I think you'd rather have the – like you'd rather have your um, Natalie Portman, you know, uh, Star Wars prequels now, you know, than like when you're older. If I told you he was 27, would that change your opinion? Is he 27? Yeah, that's what. at least that's what Wikipedia has him as. Wow. Okay, and then I feel a little better. Um, but I, I do know that uh, there is a rumor, and I, I, I do think it's true, that he may have like been the sole source of a chlamydia outbreak at NYU. You when he brought, was allegedly. This is the second time you're bringing that up on this podcast, <laughs> by the really way. Because you look at his little imp face, and you're like, that man has fucked his way through whole floors <laughs> of NYU students. <laughs> this is what I told you, Mike. Scrawny guys have had it too easy for too long, and I'm sick of oh, it. Oh, my God. Exactly. We we need Willy Wonka and the Oompa Loompas to take him down a bank. <laughs> this is wild. Well, this is not where I thought this pitch was going. Uh, but we do we do have, I mean, clearly we have some obvious reasons why this is problematic. I Oompa almost Loompas. did a literal spit take, by the way. Yeah. <clears throat> Oompa Loompas have been so popular in the original film that the costumes become a degrading symbol for how Hollywood's export, exploited little people. Uh, there's a lot of uh, pieces on that. Obviously, the fake castings of little people with all the camera tricks from the Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit movies and the Snow White and the Huntsman films, that has caused a lot of controversy. So if they're doing that again, that's an issue. Uh, uh, you know, Deep Roy was played all of the Oompa Loompas in the Tim Burton film, and again, you know, they were ups, uh, they were rightfully upset that they didn't cast a lot of uh, their actors in that movie. So again, this is an issue. They got to get it right. Wouldn't you think they got to get it right? Just cast and. But cast... what's the right way to do it? Just just cast actual little people, I guess, and even make though, them but... partners, maybe. But with, with yeah, well, I was going to say with with the history. Well, first of all, yeah, the script. If you're going to make Oompa Loompas what they've always been, there's no you don't make the movie would be my suggestion. Right, like they can't you can't just have Oompa Loompas be what they've been as represented on in the, within the world of Wonka itself. But yeah, I mean, if they've been if they come with that history of like you know contrivance and denigration towards little people, I, why are you why is this being who wants this movie by the way? Why is this being made? Period. The uh, Hollywood, so they can keep making money despite the writer's strike. Yeah, mm. I guess. I mean, it's got to be a bottom line thing, but if it's going to, I mean, 125 million is nothing to sneeze at. It's got to make what 375 probably to stay profitable. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's if it's a serious Wonka movie, does that work? Can that work? I don't think so. It's going to be boring. That's the problem with so many of these remakes. I'm like, oh my god, where's the gaffers? It's so dark on screen. They're making it too serious. These movies were fun. That's what made them profitable. Um, it makes them timeless. Doing overly serious remakes. 
of fun movies and colorful movies is boring as hell and not sustainable. And also half of the, the, the for an industry that is so obsessed with the secondary market and selling toys and, and merch mm. and all this stuff, why don't you want colorful, fun things? I know minimalism is a Good hot point. button thing right now, but no one wants that. The movie theater people don't want that. The movie fans do not want that. That's a good point. Good. I also just had a shiver sent up my back. I mean, Johnny Depp, we got away with doing the Wonka because it was, it was supposed to be totally separate from Gene Wilder, right? So mm-hmm. is Chalamet going to be playing a young Gene Wilder? Or a young It Depp. looks identical to Depp's, in my opinion. Some of the I don't like I either seen. of those options. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then what and then, you know, it's Timothy Chalamet. So he's going to be like, OK, I think I need to do my own spin on this. If that even has a spin. What has he done? I've, I've, other than God, what have I seen of his recently? I never got the chance to see Bones and all. Um, but uh, yeah, has he played aside from Little Women? He hasn't played a character that's been played before, has he? Uh, that's a good, that's question. A good question here. Well, Dune. Because I don't know how he would approach a role that's like a reprise, basically. Or a, re- a reboot. Yeah. D- Dune, obviously, the uh, character with the David Lynch film, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, from from one problematic... I mean, I, so we're all down on Wonka. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the problematic issues with Wonka kind of bleeds easily into one that Swell has, so I want her to talk about, even though she's obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Seth Rogen movie coming out, you <laughs> okay. do have some issues that are attached oh, wait, to that movie Oh, is it my turn? Well. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so uh, what a lot of people don't know about me is that I am a massive dork. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, <laughs> but um, I love what? Teenage Mutant Turtles. Yeah. I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and I like every iteration of them that comes out. I watch it at the very least. Um, was not a big fan of the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was the new one that came out and then got a can and then got a movie, I think. And then I haven't even watched. I haven't been keeping up with it because honestly, I wasn't a big fan. They like changed around the hierarchy to kind of be different and made Raph the leader. And uh, Leo is like uh, a, a total dork. I, I'm not a fan. I don't like it. He's like not fun. Um, and then um, they, I knew that Seth Rogen was doing a Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles movie for a while, but there was no information about it. So I was like at, on Twitter tweeting at him like, hey, bestie. <laughs> Where's the update? Is there a release date? Is there a trailer? And then they released everything in one go. So um, I'm (laughs) – this is so – the research for my section is I'm Googling it as I'm speaking to you. Harassing (laughs) Seth Rogen on Twitter. (laughs) Yes. So um, it's – what I kind of like about this movie going into it right away is that the Ninja Turtles are actually being played by actual teenagers this time, which I don't think has happened in – a while if at all so far because all the iterations they have adult voice actors or in the case of the the fandom calls them the Bayverse movies but he's just a producer um but the teen Mutant turtles um uh rise of the ooze out of the shadows um rise of the ooze or what have you rise of the krang whatever they're called the the live action movies that came out a few years back um right. those are referred to as the Bayverse, <laughs> and mm-hmm. i was hoping for more movies but then they were like huh we did not make enough money and also it turns out they treated the actors who played the turtles like absolute shit on the set of those movies because it was a whole different it was a new terrain of you know are we actors or are we you know in motion capture suits so they like were able to get away with like putting them into overtime and like crazy amounts of just like like basically leaving like oh yeah find a way back to your hotel and shit like that like not giving them transport <laughs> and stuff and after Great. filming for two long days like crazy crazy stuff um 
So the fact that they're being voiced by actual children, I think, is interesting. Um, and also is kind, makes a kind of fun trailer, actually. I thought it was fun. They seem like actual teenagers versus, like, over, like, adults that have just been training for 600 years. So I think we're actually going to get, like, actual teenage Teenage Mutant Turtles. So I think it's going to be fun. Um, and then we have the main thing that I'm concerned about, which a lot of people were concerned about. Um, the art style looks great. Also, it's animated. Very excited for that. Um, mm -hmm. The trailer. Just, I'm mostly excited for this. But, um See, you know, Seth Rogen, he's to put himself in some capacity into his projects. But I don't think he did it for Good Boys, which I did not like. So I have no idea what's going on there. But he has cast himself. He is voicing Bebop. Bebop from Bebop and Rocksteady. Now, Bebop and Rocksteady are two, um, like, just kind of rough and rowdy type of guys, you know? <laughs> and uh, they're, they're criminals. They're criminals, but they're also, like, the henchmen. You know, they're the muscle. They're just, like... Uh, goons for hire if you will okay and they're humans that then get hit by the ooze and turn into mutants so uh the thing is is that historically for most renditions if not all of them because i'm blanking on some of the earlier ones but i've googled it and sure enough most of these uh bebop is a black man so um oh boy <laughs> who then gets turned into um a warthog and Rocksteady is, you know, turned into a rhino mutant and all of that. So um, him being played Hermes. i sorry. My dog hates that I have neighbors. Um, he got angry at whitewashing, too. It's understandable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. he's, he's very passionate about representation. <laughs> One moment. Yeah. Bebop is he was in the uh, recent rendition of the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, from about 2016. And um yeah, he was. It's a he is a black man. Bebop is a black man. So the fact that he's now being played by Seth Rogen, um, people are not happy. <laughs> mm. um, but and then I'm trying to think if there was any renditions off the top of my head where he was not played by where the character was not a black man before he was uh, mutated. And I don't off the top of my head. I don't think there ever was because I'm looking at one of the early cartoon renditions as well. And he was a black man then, too. So it's just, it's whitewashing, and it's weird. And then the fact that it's Seth Rogen voicing it, and not, I, well, on one thing, I think that's probably why he took that role over, say, another role that would have hmm. been, that he would have fit, because then, oh, I, because maybe he knew, and he didn't want to put anyone else through the backlash of playing that character. Mm. Um, like, if he did want to have one of the other people playing him. Um, who else is in this? That yeah, we got Jack. Well, John Cena. John Cena's rock steady. So <laughs> Bebop rock steady go from what they were historically to Seth Rogen and John Cena. Yeah, I, I mean, might be an issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean that one too. But you know, we got Paul Rudd as Mon Mondo Gecko, which is going to be funny. Oh God. Um, Rose, I'm just sorry. I just saw Rose Byron is uh, Leatherhead. Missed that part. Hold on. <laughs> sorry. Just saw that. <laughs> is Shredder not in this movie, too? Um, I don't think oh, so. God. So there's a couple of different stories that they could go with it. They may just be hiding who Shredder is. Um, but right now, looking at the cast list, yeah, I'm not seeing Shredder. Um, we got Baxter Stockman. Oh, uh Giancarlo Esposito, uh, he destroys every role he's in. He's amazing. So I'm yeah, kind of super excited for him to be Baxter Stockman. <laughs> so in the in the history of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like reboots and offerings, like mm -hmm. were you as stoked for the last iteration as you are for this one? Or are you more excited for this one? 
See, I was not someone who had an issue with the character designs for the Bayverse movies. A lot of people hated them because they, they but they're they're mutated uh, turtles that are just humanoid turtles. They looked crazy. That was yeah, kind of did. the point. And um, so people who were like, no, they're disgusting looking. <laughs> yeah, you would you would be terrified of these guys if you saw them in the street. That's kind of the point. Like you can say that no, they saved me from being mugged by the Foot Clan or what have you. I would not be scared. Yes, you would. You you would be scared <laughs> of any if if a normal human man did it uh, saved me from something. I'd also be like, who the why the fuck are you in this alley? You know, like what's going on? <laughs> you know? So to think that you would not be scared of four humanoid turtles with ninja moves and giant weapons. You're lying. You're well, lying. When you put it like that. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah, of course, these giant humanoid turtles are scary looking. Um, so it, it's, I was, mm. didn't have a problem with that. I thought it was fine. I thought that the second movie was actually better than the first because the second movie um, definitely focused more on the turtles than uh, April O'Neil played by Megan Fox. Not that I, the first movie, it, she, she, she was just, you know, getting her sea legs back with acting. So I'll, I'll give her a pass with the first one. But, um, you know. <laughs> Um, she looked great. I'll give her that. She looked amazing. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, the, the second movie I liked more just because it focused more on the turtle story. And so I liked the trailer for this one, how it's like literally the turtles being teenagers messing around with their ninja moves and then maybe injuring someone. <laughs> like, it's just a funny <laughs> little intro. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is goofy. Let's get it. And the art style looks great. And I'm, I'm tentatively excited and yeah so we but does it make you does it make you a bad person that you're excited for a movie that's whitewashed (laughs) you're also fear yes it does it does it does (laughs) it 100 i mean it does i mean but also i'm just joking about that but yeah i mean the the, you know the problem is there it's it's not it's not one i had seen it's not gone yeah you know it's not like they're um they've erased the uh the like the, nothing i've seen has been well addressed you know as right. far as you know uh why seth rogan had to play bebop of all people you know? i had seen some backlash about it on social media but i didn't realize it was the bebop character but yeah i mean it is it is out there this is this is a concern that like other people have raised and that is i, I think gen z especially is like most on top of this type of stuff too like if there's any yeah. kind of misrepresentation thing you guys are the ones that are gonna be hyper focused on it which you should be i think yeah, and it's also it's like if that's where I'm I'm coming from the part of like this is a historically black character because if it was just the more recent renditions of Bebop that was you know a black character then I think it would be people would have less of a problem with it because then it's like okay this is a character that you know in later renditions they have made a black character but historically this is a black character and so people who grew up watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles grew up seeing Bebop are like, no, you're not taking this from us, which I get. So, mm. yeah, I, I just think it's the... Because at the end of the day, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's interesting because there's so many renditions of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it seems like they just can't get it right or can't get lightning in a bottle because people love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They wouldn't keep rebooting it all the time if that weren't the case, you know? Is this has gotten more reboots. We, yeah. have, we have seen um, more training montages for the Ninja Turtles, then we have seen Uncle Ben die. Okay, that's like that's that's how many reboots of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles we have had. I'm not even talking about the 2012 uh, Nickelodeon cartoon that got I think six or seven seasons of the animated cartoon. Like I loved that show. That show was great. I watched it when it came out. I was like, wait a minute, I'm in high school. Why am I watching this? You know? <laughs> 
you know? So it's like, there's, this is a, there's, there's money in this, which I think is interesting because kids love it. Kids love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I think they're trying to find a rendition because so many people my age still love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mike, what's your experience? Well, I mean, I grew up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the, and the two, the two movies were big when I was very young and you know, th- this cast is obviously much more diverse than the movies I grew up with. So this is this is uh, an improvement, believe it or not. But uh, yeah, I remember going to the movie with uh, with friends of mine. And it was like my dad's best friend who also had kids and we all grew up together. So his kids and my dad's kids, we all went to the movie together. And we were dancing in the friggin' aisles to the vanilla ice dating myself here <laughs> go and, ninja go ninja go yeah i remember you know I, I i remember my father giving me a weird look when that was happening but uh <laughs> you know oh i i need to oh. admit to my, i need to confess to something i may have the 2012 cartoon theme song downloaded on my phone <laughs> yeah there you go so yeah we've all loved this property i don't know i don't know why we love this property it's just so bizarre it's almost like batman and the joker like why would a why would a bat's natural enemy be a clown? Why would <laughs> fair question? Why would a turtle's Why would a turtle's mentor be a rat? And also, how is Splinter? Is Splinter ever explained? Like the yeah, turtles so needed to have. There's different uh, renditions, but for the most part, Splinter is usually a man who was um, training and um, a ninja in his own right, and then was mutated after he got pet turtles from the store and then was mutated. So they were all mutated at the same time. And so that kind of. There's different renditions. So there's that one. Um, which is from the 2012 cartoon. I believe the original ones as well. He was a human man first, which is how he knew ninjutsu and then knew to train his sons. So he got pet turtles from the, <laughs> from the pet store. And then it kind of introduces, okay, this is where the human DNA comes in for the turtles because obviously turtle DNA and all this stuff. So there's like a rat that runs by in one of the renditions. So that's why he turns into a rat because it's kind of like mixing human DNA with animal DNA, you know? But, and, but uh, is he hit by the ooze? Yeah, they're how all does... hit by the ooze at the same time. Oh, okay. And then in the movie, and then in they kind of got rid of that in the 2014, 2016 movies, the Bayverse movies, because they are already kind of genetically testing on them. And then there's a fire. April frees them as a child, frees uh, the, the, the lab rat and the lab turtles they were testing on. They were already like kind of genetically engineering them. There, what ooze was not really a thing. They were just kind of trying to like create ooze out of any more than anything to make like genetically engineered super beings and they were just doing animal testing and then they kind of mutated on their own in the sewers after they escaped and then so there's no origin story that's canon Canon. Well, there the most the <laughs> most consistent origin story is that Splinter was a human that then was transformed into a rat, which leads to a lot of interesting storylines about like, okay, what would my life have been if I had never been transformed into a rat? But I never would have had my sons, you know. Like, there's an interesting storyline there, in my opinion. Mm. The age-old question: What would my life had been like if I yeah, had like the it's like okay, I have these crap. four sons that I have raised, you know, who are you know I've raised to be ninjas, and they are great warriors who save the city, but also like <laughs> I'm a fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs> but also like I'm a fucking but rat. also I'm a fucking rat. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I, I really hope that's the route they go with Jackie Chan because that would be fucking hilarious. Oh my god! So all right, I guess I'm now. I'm yeah. I'm worried about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: yeah. Mutant Mayhem. Yeah, fair enough. Good good sales job. Uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll, pick I'll have up. lots of opinions. So you guys should definitely have uh, mutants with swell or what have you. Oh, <laughs> just mutants with swell. Yeah. Well, we do. I mean, when we have you on on Halloween, that's pretty much what it turns into anyway. We're always talking about some uh, creepy ass thing that uh, that happens on the cinema uh, theatrical screen, silver screen there. So that could play right into it with the August offering that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is this year. Um, mm. I, I will. I'll, I'll pick up the pace a little bit with my first entry because I don't know what I'm talking about. My my notes read more like a manifesto because I've been losing my mind slowly over the last couple weeks. Yeah. So this this is one where I start talking about a haunting in Venice and end up making this about a completely different movie by accident because I wanted to start talking about a haunting in Venice because I don't like its release date. I don't think Murder on the Orient Express did that well. Death on the Nile did worse. I mean, Murder on, Murder on the Orient Express was a fifty-five million dollar budget. It did three fifty-two worldwide. Okay, that's good. That's profitable. Death on the Nile was a ninety million dollar budget. It only did one hundred thirty-seven million worldwide. That's not good. Not and good. also Haunt- has the worst line from Army Hammer I've ever heard in my. life. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny you bring up Army Hammer because he's going to play a role into the movie. This actually, at this point, ends up being turned into being about. But uh, haunting, there's no listed budget for haunting on the Nile yet, or haunting in Venice, haunting on the Nile, haunting in Venice yet. And I don't know that there's like a huge cast attached to this that's done box office outside of any other movie. Like Michelle Yeoh, sure, she's standard, she's box office. I get that. She's probably the headliner here, uh, yep. along, uh, but. Then you got Tina Fey, Jamie Dornan, Jude Hill. Kenneth Branagh is just basically bringing over the Belfast cast to play in this one. Hmm. Not great with that. I don't love the release date, which is in that like Goldfinch 3,000 years of longing type range of the late August, September. This should be an Oscars release movie, but it's not, so we don't know what to do with it. So we're going to stick it in September there before award season movies kick off. And then I was looking at other September release dates. And Next Goal wins had a September release date. And that's a movie we've previewed about, uh, I don't know, 30 times. It, it, it was supposed to keep coming out. It was supposed to keep coming out, and it just underwent either its third or fourth delay. The movie was shot in 2019. It had to have reshoots to take out Army Hammer completely. Yeah. Will Arnett was recast in the Army Hammer role, which wow. was not a sentence I think you could ever say about any movie <laughs> in history. It was then slated to come out in April of this year. Uh, it was announced this past Christmas that no, it won't make April. We'll put it out in September of 2023 instead. Last week they said no, we won't put it out in September. We'll put it out in December of tw- or, I'm from sorry, November of 2023 instead. So now it's in the awards window for release dates, and it is a Searchlight movie. And if you look at Searchlight in their Q4 offerings, a lot of those are Oscars players. I mean, Banshees of Inisherin had nine noms. Nightmare Alley had four. Jojo Rabbit had six. The Favorite had ten. Shape of Water, we talked about in the pre-production, that had 13 nominations. I mean, there's a list of eight movies that have been Q4 releases from Searchlights back to only 2017 that accounted for 53 different Oscar noms. So I don't know if Next Goal Wins is an Oscars player, if it's being moved back to Q4 just because they had Magazine Dreams was supposed to be uh, Searchlight's big Q4 holiday offering, Oscars offering, and we all know what's going on with Jonathan Majors there, so they wanted to kind of push that out and have it not happen and just have another film cover it. I, I, I started talking about A Haunting in Venice, and this turned out to be a thing about Next Goal Wins, and I guess I'm trying to say I'm concerned for both those offerings. 
Wow. Uh, really quick before we discuss this, I need the uh, listener to know that instead of the favorite, he put the favor T in the. That's how it's spelled. Is oh, that how no, it's spelled? T. I'm sorry, favor T. No, you're right. T I E is not good. No, that's on me. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were busting my chops over the U that's in there. No, I was busting your tops over how you spelled the word wrong. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, Magazine Dreams was not going to be a major Oscars player, you know, with or without the star in there, in my opinion. But uh, that one, I've heard nothing about. He's a bodybuilder. It came out at Sundance. We all watched it. It's kind of a Joker version of uh, bodybuilding. Like, it's just this guy downward spirals the entire film. It's tough to watch, to be honest with you. So I I would have been surprised if that was an Oscars player. But Next Goal wins moving from September to November, though, Mike. They gotta have some level of confidence in it. So I'll play a little devil's advocate there. Taika Waititi has had a good track record, obviously, and if it's this is Searchlight putting a Taika film in November, it's it's got a fun premise about this uh, soccer team or excuse me, football team that uh, <laughs> how dare you had the biggest loss in the history of the World Cup or something or <laughs> World Cup qualifying. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with any any point you're making. I I just then why put it out in September to begin with? Just because it's a regular comedy? You're hu- you're hung up on September because they're trying to yeah, make yeah. money. I you're, hate September releases. Money. I hate September releases. Why? I don't think there's unless you're doing like a like a super bad type comedy. Like I don't think there's a lot of money to be made at the box office in September. I think it's where a lot of oh this should have been an awards movie, but once we finished it, we realized it's not an awards movie releases go to die Mm -hmm. and having massive reshoots replacing army hammer with will arnett i don't know red flags for me yeah Uh, i can see that i think your heart's been broken by september films in the past is that is that what's going on i but i can't think of any i mean you're mate you're probably right this is definitely sounds like someone with post-traumatic stress but i can't think of anything specifically right right I got nothing other than that. Well, I, I'm definitely with you on the haunting in Venice part. I, I did not love Death on the Nile, even though it was okay. So bad, it was uh, so bad. It, I mean, I guess I will. I will watch any one of those whodunits, even when they're bad. Uh, that's just me. So but, you uh, you liked when Army Hammer runs up and says that was naughty of me, wasn't? Uh, no, no. But I liked <laughs> my whole body. I, my skeleton cringed inside my skin. Like my whole like it was bad. I like the costumes. <laughs> that's that's pretty. your selling point. The costumes it were was, gorgeous in that movie. It was pretty to look at. The weird CGI that they did for the entirety of Egypt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, right, I so did. I, I, you guys I didn't give it a good grade. I movies. mean, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Mike, what's your second one? Okay, I am going to select a film that. I don't think people are worried about after it got the closing night spot at Cannes. This is Pixar's Elemental. But here's why I'm worried about Pixar's Elemental. Number one, Pixar's in a bit of a funk lately. They don't know if they're putting their movies out in theaters, on Disney+. Plus. Obviously, Lightyear did terrible in terms of the box office. That has other reasons for it, but it wasn't a great film. Anyway, Peter Sohn is the director of Elemental. And he's the director of what's perhaps Pixar's worst film. Even though Mike and I liked The Good Dinosaur more than other people did. Uh, I am looking at the premise for Elemental and it just seems like a forced 
obvious metaphor for showing different cultures coming together. There's the anthropomorphized elements of water people and fire people, and yet they live in a modern-day city where all the elements are mixed together because it's still a friggin' city. Like, how does that make any sense? They like, take the subway, you see. They take the <laughs> And all I do, all I want to do in, in this movie is watch the fire guy and the water girl have sex. What? <laughs> wow. And we're not even going to get that because this is a Pixar film. So yeah, I'm that's not even... why. If this was Disney, it'd be a different story. <laughs> if this was Walt Disney Pictures, you might have gotten a PG-13, and we might have gotten what? it. God. If why? they kiss... Wait, no, 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 no. You don't get to speed by that statement. <laughs> why? look at these characters since you're, you're writing their porno. Why? Why is that something you want to see? Because I... <laughs> what about this delightful children's oh, so offering so of cohesion? Just... This is just Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Okay. That's what yeah, I'm looking at. more or less. That's what yeah. it is. No, but what's the point of having a romantic storyline where the characters physiologically cannot come together? Shark Boy and, and Lava Girl. It's the tension. It's the will they, won't they. It's did the, you not oh, see no, Wally? They can't. They can't. It's the, lo- it's the longing. It's the longing. That's but what it they, is. They can't. They, they, they can't do it physically because Wait, either Wally, Wally. they'll melt. What? <laughs> What, I mean, isn't can you say this about every Pixar movie? There's a romantic relationship in the center yeah, of all. This like, is rogue. Wally was two tin cans. They can't can't have sex. What are you talking about? Yeah, but no. What? Who, oh, Wally and the other robot. Yeah, well, they could, and Eva. They could have wires, and I don't know. Oh my god, wires! But look at what is the point of this romantic story? <laughs> There's no point to this movie because it's a movie about cultures coming together when the cultures can't physically come together at all. What does this mean? It makes they no totally sense. They totally can. They totally can come together. He it's will melt just... her or she will melt him or he will snuff her fire out. And at the end of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, they hold pinkies and walk off into the sunset because they can both handle that amount of pain. So you know what? I think <laughs> this is just... Animated Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh my with a God. little, with a little, with a little Earth guy. Apparently, with a little buzz cut. What is this army cut? This guy with army camo on his shirt. Oh my God! Wait, this is a little army character. You'll dig it. I think there's our uh, air people too. I think those are the four elements that all live together. I I share your oh concerns about elemental in this general. This is Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, actually, but I didn't. I didn't think we were going down the Pornhub route with this as to why you anyway. had concerns about it. I'm you also said, concerned. Yeah. I'm also concerned because this is a can opening or closing night film and everybody's online saying, oh, it must be good because it's closing the Cannes Film Festival. Well, guess what? They didn't have a, a closing nighter last year. Final Cut was the opening nighter. That movie was terrible. The year before that, Annette and an OSS 117 from Africa with Love. The year before that, The Dead Don't Die in the Specials. And 2018, Everybody Knows and the Man Who Killed Don Quixote with uh, Adam Driver in it there that you're going to be mad at. So can in the last five years, has not picked a good movie to open or close their festival, even though everybody knows probably a little better than people give it credit for. Those are great points um, that I think you should have led with before the I want to watch <laughs> sex in this children's movie. <laughs> no, you can't have that. You cannot have them romantically intertwined, especially it makes no sense. It's it goes against your premise. You're trying to show cultures come together and you're trying to show this in a very clunky metaphor, and yet the two cultures physically cannot come together in the movie. 
It's it's asinine. Isn't that? I mean, isn't okay. Wait, like, wait, wait, wait. I can fix all of this with one simple sentence. Okay. It's meant for children. <laughs> yeah, isn't you're, that you're the point of every children's, children's movie? Well, you've banged the table for this in the past. You can't teach children bullshit. You're gonna teach. <laughs> No, 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 I, fire I, no, and ice. no, you can, you can them. give kids, you can give kids a, an elemental movie and a giant dog movie if it's good. If this movie is good and doesn't talk to them like they're four year olds, I think we're fine. It's you bad know? science. Like, it's bad I, science. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't then, think then you know what? Storm Pixar, do it. Come in. You know, <laughs> if you're going to be that up in arms about it, get, get off of your little microphone and be a man. Okay. <laughs> be a man. How to blow up a pipe pipeline, Pixar Yo. version. <laughs> Elemental. Remember when Elemental. I thought "Don't worry, darling" was going to be the reason you two fought? <laughs> no, because I was very calm and calculated with that one. This one is just. Um, he, he agreed with me by the end of that. He was like, "Oh my god, wait!" When you put it that way, it I know. Like you're I know. And I then know. this one, it's just like you're forgetting that uh, they know they can sell merch from the little water and fire person. I can't believe we went down. I want to watch these two things have sex in this picture. I know what's going on. It was the show is going. Is this show rated explicit or not? (laughs) Always. I came on to a Christian podcast, and I'm really surprised. Michael, uh, do you have your second one? Yeah, and uh, we we gotta get a swell. Yeah, we we've talked about. uh, I have I have one we can talk about, but I don't know if you guys are also talking about it. What what do you got? Um, do you guys have any plans to talk about The Little Mermaid? No. No, so, no, it's all yeah, yours. So I'm worried about The Little Mermaid, not because I think it's going to be a bad movie, but honestly, I'm just worried about the overall backlash of everything because mm. I, I don't know. I truly have not liked a lot of the live action remakes of the Disney animated movies. <laughs> no, they're, they're not great. But they make them money, and they usually make pretty good money. Like, I think, what was it? Um, um, Aladdin made over a billion dollars. Just hit a billion dollars at the office. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I, most people I know who watched the movie were not fans. Like, they did not like it. So, I I don't know, you know? And who knows if the movie's going to be good or not. But because of how they have casted Chloe Bailey, which I personally don't care about that. I'm not someone who's like, oh my gosh, they're killing off the redheads. I don't really care about that, you know? Um, and just the, the videos I see of little black girls getting all excited because they see an Ariel that looks like them. I think that's beautiful. And I think well, that's, that's what I was going to say is that like yeah, the, the backlash is stupid, right? It is stupid, but also it's like, you know, they're looking at they're looking at, you know, paparazzi clips or photos and they're like, oh my God, this movie looks like ass. And it's like, yeah, cause you're seeing a photo from a telephoto lens from a mile away or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. And the, but to be fair, the, it does look like a dark as hell movie, but I'm sure they're gonna be like, it's under the sea to hide bad CGI and everything. And it's like, it's, it's crazy. Cause these are big budget movies, but I don't know where the budget is going. Cause they're not paying their special effects people well. Right. And so we get these movies that look grainy and not great. And it's worrying. And um, then we have, you know, the backlash that, you know, Chloe is, it's, I'm sorry, I'm terrible. Is it Chloe or Hallie who's playing? I think it's, it's Holly Ariel. Bailey, right? Yeah, is it Holly? Holly? I think I'm a right. terrible person, sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. And uh, Hallie. Um, the backlash that she has received, um, I don't I don't think these, stu- these studios cast these these 
actors and actresses in these roles and then do not stand up for them. The only person I've seen it happen for where there's actually standing up is Rick Riordan standing up for the actress they cast as Annabelle or Annabeth in the uh, Percy Jackson show for Netflix. That's the only time I've seen it in recent years. And it's kind of like I'm, I'm expecting the same thing to happen with the reboots for the, you know, Harry Potter show that, you know, I told Mike, I was like, I'm just going to start railing on reboots in my second segment. Um, So, like, I just think it's, you know, we don't need a Hunger Games show. We don't need a Harry Potter show. You know, it's like, even if you look at the Harry Potter movies, they're not out of date when you go and watch them. They were done in a way that I think is very well done. And I think they're just doing all this now because money and they, you know, J.K. Rowling sucks, you know, I don't, it's like, it's, it's that I, I, to say that none of this has anything to do with the looming writer strike, I think would be ridiculous to ignore. Um, and, um, cause you know, it's, some people think it's easy to just rewrite things and, oh, well we have the author. We don't need to worry about screenwriters when we have the author who can do the screenplay and keep things on track and all this stuff, you know? So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not excited for the future landscape in the next couple of years of movies. I'm really not excited for it. And not to say that I think that, you know, The Little Mermaid's going to be a bad movie. I just think that the track record of Disney has not been very good with their live actions. And I would hate for all of this to go through. And then Halle Bailey does not get, you know, a great role out of it and is instead going through all of this just to kind of, it's not going to flop at the box office because it just won't. These movies don't. But, you know, I don't know. I just I worry about it. I really do. Do you have attachment to the original Little Mermaid, the cartoon? Um, Only so that in that when my little brother was born, my parents to like because I was a first I was an eldest daughter is like a way of like, look, we're not forgetting you. Uh, they gave, they made a whole big story about how my little brother, look, he got you a gift, like <laughs> my newborn brother. And they gave me the VHS of A Little Mermaid. Uh, and that was oh, that's like, that's my main memory of it. Um, but I mean, no, she was never, I had an attachment to Belle and Mulan more than anything, which we saw how that all happened. So yeah, um, yeah I mean, aside from the fact that she got to swim all the time and every little girl has a mermaid face. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's really, <laughs> that's really it. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I don't know, you know, and I don't know. I just, I worry about, you know, the backlash and what that does to people. And, you know, these studios don't defend their actors at all, really, unless they're just, you know, accused of apparently uh, assault fantasies on a, a podcast years ago and then, you know, may have been actually happening and then now everyone is coming out against it. I'm talking about beef, if anyone's wondering. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know. You make a good point in that, and this kind of goes to the Avatar point I've made ad nauseum, too, a couple times. Like, these movies make a ton of money, but they don't really leave lasting impressions, I don't feel like. Like, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Alice in Wonderland, Lion King, all those live-action remakes did over a billion dollars worldwide. Jungle Book sniffed a billion dollars worldwide. I, I like. Did I any mean, of those I stick think, with anyone? I think Alice in Wonderland did because it was a different story. You know, it wasn't like a... They kind of did something different with it, which is why, like, for years when I was growing up, I know people loved that movie. Um, and, you know, I never... They did a second one I don't think I ever watched, right? There was a second one? Yeah, it wasn't... Was there... Was there, there a second Alice in Wonderland? 
Yeah, I think there so. Was, yeah, yeah. I never heard anything about that one, but the first one, like, there are people who still dress up as those versions of those characters. So, I mean, that I do think that was something, but that was something different. It's kind of like Maleficent. I think people liked that movie as well because it was a different story, you know, and like the Aurora and Prince Charming and all of them in that, or Prince Eric. No, Prince Eric is Little Mermaid. I don't know, but. You know, it's like the different takes on those stories are where there's entertainment and interesting things. And, and instead of adding and trying to kind of retcon and fix issues that people complained about in the original, like, why is Belle an inventor all of a sudden when her father was the inventor in Beauty and the Beast? And also, why is that never come? Why does that never come up again after just establishing that she's a feminist, you know, even though <laughs> in at this time i believe historically like the french were encouraging girls to read and write like like what is this you know mm. and so there's and then also auto-tuning uh you know emma watson's voice to helen back to the point that she decides she wants to take a break from acting like it's like <laughs> there's there's so much in these movies where it's like I don't know, like giving even uh, Aladdin, giving her a girl boss best friend that's just like, you're doing amazing, <laughs> like the entire movie <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> you know, and they just don't they don't defend these actors when there's backlash online. And it's like, I don't know if there is an answer where they should defend these actors, but they're throwing people to the wolves. They're making these quote unquote inclusive castings and then just being like, OK, cool, have fun. No media training, nothing. Have a good time. It's interesting because Mike and I have been on record saying that we think Little Mermaid might actually be the highest grossing box office uh, of the year, or at least has the potential to be. I think it will, too. See, that's the thing, because it's like there are pe- everyone will go to see it. And, you know, also in support of the diverse casting, people will go to see it. But, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes movies that are just maybe OK or, you know, what have you make a shit ton of money. Avatar, too. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I do like this story, even going back to rewatch it a couple years ago. I mean, it, the story works better than some a lot of other Disney films. It, the music is really good. Obviously, there's been issues with that because it wasn't. Yeah, they're kind changing of some lines. Yeah, so I mean, if they fix that stuff, if they if they if they fix that important um, appropriation, then and if they have Jamaican singers. At, you know, this could be this could be terrific. I I think, and I don't know. I think you got to modernize a lot of things, especially from the the late eighties, early nineties. Let's just modernize everything from them. But this is, I think, at least what they're working with. It's it's stronger. So I I, I hope this movie does better. But you're right. I think the I think the uh, the 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 controversy is is just completely asinine and yet you know it's going to affect things right i, I mean i hate it's this i can't stand the controversy it's so like well it's racist is that a it's black they're, mermaid they're racist the racists yeah. are going to be racist about it yeah so that you're right they, they've already pooped the freaking party for this movie so it's frustrating and yet and yet do we need re- every good movie remade no, I don't think we need a Lilo and Stitch remake. And I'm I every time there's a new casting announcement, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And they just re allegedly recast the guy they were gonna have play Nani or not Nani, um, um, 
the mailman character. Yeah, I know yeah, who yeah, you're yeah. talking about. I and saw that too, because, and I can't remember his name. And, and I like how they said in their vetting process when it was absolutely the Twitter users who Googled him and just found his Spotify where he had N-word playlists and everything um, <laughs> and all this stuff. And they were like, we found some stuff on his Spotify history in our vetting process. What? You guys don't vet anything you're like are you good looking can you say lines cool do this part <laughs> that's disney's casting process a hundred percent is that why you got offended i'm never gonna I... cast in anything ever <laughs> well i i think one thing's for sure is that you and now mike and myself for other reasons but at least for this episode the two of you have you're not going to be cast by disney for any children's shows that's for certain no, but I, they should hire me in the writer's room because I well, know what. You got to stop pitching that to make the characters <laughs> fuck. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that should be the lead off thing, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. Speaking of Disney, I don't was Jacob Elordi a Disney kid, Swell? Okay, for the longest time, I so I have this thing with facial blindness. I, I'm starting to learn this about myself, but I truly think there are certain actors that just look slightly too much alike. And then for the rest of my life, I just think this one person who's like probably 30, I think they're secretly 45 or something because they've been in so much. So I hmm. thought Jacob Elordi played the little brother on um, the Vampire Diaries because I for the long I was like, this is the I think same he did. dude. No, it's not the same person. It's a different actor. Wait a minute. Because I IMD beat him yesterday, and he was in the Vampire Diaries, I thought. Okay, hold on. I thought he was uh, PETA from The Hunger Games all grown up. That's what I thought. <laughs> I was wrong. It's a different person. Ignore my typing. So, oh, no, 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 you're right. I'm getting brother, confused. Stephen you're right. Stephen R. McQueen. Jeremy was played by Stephen R. McQueen. Jacob Elordi um, was in The Kissing Booth. And all. When I saw him in The Kissing Booth, I thought he was... Um, he was the guy, but no. Mike, what do you yeah, think no, of the right. Kissing Booth trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I only writing, saw the first one. I'll be writing my essay about my thoughts on that anytime now. Um, anyway, there's this push in 2023 that I it, it's it's not a push, but it's one I'm I'm starting to wrap my head around. It's like let's make Jacob Elordi America's next cinematic heartthrob world tour. He's got so many upcoming projects, and they're so. I worry about the cookie-cutterness of them all. I mean, Saltburn, Mike, we've talked about. The next one coming from a Promising Young Woman Scribe. Why can't I think of her name there? Emerald Fennell. Emerald Fennell. Thank you very much. Uh, the one that I've said that uh, Barry Keoghan is definitely being murdered in. Uh, but Jacob Elordi's in this. He's playing, essentially, from the sounds of it, the Jude Law role from the talented Mr. Ripley. So do with that information what you will. Hmm. He's going to be in Priscilla where he's playing Elvis not even a year after the defining Elvis portrayal that has ever hit movie theaters. Like, Heath Ledger played the Joker, but I think we would have felt differently about Heath Ledger's portrayal if it came out a year after Jack's portrayal of the Joker. Like, if Heath Ledger's yeah. Joker comes out in 1990 and not 2007 or 2009, we probably feel a little bit differently about it. I don't know that Jacob Elordi... Elvis... Being... Go ahead. Is Elvis the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yes. What? <laughs> because they just what? keep every time every time one project ends, like it gets canceled or whatever, they reboot it immediately. Look at the new Mutant Mayhem. Look at the Rise of the Teen Mutant Turtles. Look at the Teen Mutant Turtles uh, TV show. Look at the movies. Look at all this stuff. So the same thing. It's like we just got an Elvis movie, and now we're getting another Elvis movie from that's about Priscilla. And it's interesting because one of the complaints I heard who from hardcore Elvis fans was that the Elvis movie was very much like from Priscilla's perspective because she was so involved in 
the production, it sounds like. So the fact that there's now a Priscilla movie that's focused around her. Um, I don't know from how Sophia it's going to be. From A24. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be all her perspective in this one, but you're right. There was probably a, at least a decent bit in the Boz, for, uh, Boz Lerman film that was from Priscilla's perspective. Uh, Alord is also going to be in On Swift Horses, which is a movie featuring there horses, it is. which we all know I have an issue Horse with. Horse movie, let's. <laughs> That's why you. Well, well wait, wait, wait. Let me let me this. try to try to talk my way out of this. Here's the synopsis for that movie. You tell me which character you think Jacob Alord is going to play. Okay, newlyweds Muriel and Lee are beginning a bright new life after he returns from the Korean War when the arrival of Lee's charismatic younger brother Julius, a wayward gambler with a secret, creates. A dangerous love triangle. Julius heads for Las Vegas and Muriel embarks on the secret life of gambling on racehorses and discovers a love she thought impossible. Who do you think Jacob Alordi is? Julius? Oh, you think? <laughs> the wayward gambler? The charismatic younger brother with a wayward gambling problem and a secret? Like, yeah, he's, he's playing a lot of cookie cutter. Like, it's, it's a little bit too much too fast for a kid that might be too young and on top of it yeah he's gonna have his war movie and yeah he's gonna have his weird sci-fi movie all scheduled to come out either this year or next i don't know so it, it sounds like they're trying to speed run the sydney sweeney route because so basically Maybe. euphoria was a big deal for zendaya that's why people watched it no mm -hmm. one was expecting that sydney sweeney was going to be another breakout person of this same with um um, gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Um, the other actress in the show, um, who has not done a ton since then, actually. So it's mainly Sydney Swinney who works every every day. It seems like she's on the um, the um, oh my Hunter god, I'm Schaefer? blanking. I'm s Hunter Schaefer. No, not Hunter Schaefer. Um, uh, the girl who plays Maddie. Um, people yeah. fell in love with her. Um, gosh, it's gonna drive me crazy that I'm blanking on her name. Um, but Sydney Sweeney is basically doing an insane work tour and then also doing a bunch of promo for sponsorships and all this stuff so my guess is is that uh this response for jacob alordi is that they're Alexa like okay Demi? yes oh. yes people love her she's the only other movie i think she's done since those waves right alexa demi i don't know what she's been in she was in wave she was in mid 90s she was in brigsby bear back in 2017 yeah, so I think Waves is the only one, but people love her. I'm surprised she's not doing more. She's been doing more modeling and photo shoot stuff, though, I think. That's what uh, Sydney Sweeney's been doing lately, too. Well, she's been doing, yeah. Uh... Well, that's the thing about Sydney Sweeney. And, and I heard a, a good breakdown of this is that, you know, you can really tell which actors have nepotism ties and who doesn't based on how much promo they do. They're basically doing, they're the new version of influencers. Because oh, if you go like and look this. at her. If you go and look at her Instagram, she does a ton of sponsored posts where they don't look like sponsored posts. She looks like an endorsement deal because they're done really high quality because she's an actress. And so but, you know, normally at this stage in your career, you would not be endorsing this many products. You would want to be known for one or two, if that at all. But because she doesn't have like like if you look at Maude Apatow in comparison like she's just promoting her projects i don't think she has any brand deals or any collaborations on her instagram page whereas sydney sweeney has a, a zillion so you and think i'm not they're... insulting either of them in that statement i'm just stating a, well a new you, you tell. keep saying you want to get into a boxing ring so you boxing sydney sweeney would sell tickets i think but uh, you, so you're saying we would do a want... different no we would we would do a different type of f word, Mike. Okay, I want to make that you, very you would clear. you would star in also um... Mike's Pixar movie together. <laughs> Apparently, uh... <laughs> no, but um, 
No, but I can understand where because the the rumor was going into Euphoria was that there was a lot of issues on the set. Some of it has been proven. Some of it has been unsubstantiated. But one of the rumors was that Jacob Elordi was actually trying to get killed off at the end of last season and or season sure. two. Well- he, he clearly has eyes and his team has eyes on him being a megastar in the movies. Yes, and so that's why so much of the story last season, both seasons, the story has had him as a focal point. But there's mm-hmm. been a lot more time on him this past season, it seems like, kind of rounding out his character and trying to give him more to do, if that makes sense, in a way that was not done well, because I hate Sam Levinson. But, um, You're not the only one. And um, seems to have issues with it. But yeah, that was the rumor was that he wanted to leave the show. So give me great storylines before I leave, basically. And Mm. then ended up half of that didn't end up being true, at Mm. least because he's still coming on. And now he's training for the next season that they're going to film that's supposed to come out in 2025. So the rumor is is that he's going to play a cop next season, which is scary, terrifying. This man is a cop. That character is a cop is terrifying as a prospect. Um, And so, yeah. I don't know. I think they're just kind of really trying to make a parallel move into him being uh, a, a superstar A-lister, and Sidney Sweeney has just kind of kept moving past him, so I don't know. He does have ties to some pretty heavy roles. I mean, playing Elvis, Mike, yeah. the year after Elvis, is no small feat. Yeah, so you picked you picked two films in your first one. Yeah. Uh, a Haunting in Venice. Manifesto. Yeah, go ahead. A Hunting in Venice, <laughs> and what was the... Oh, Next Goal Wins. Next now goal you pick yeah. three films. You picked... Yeah. Arguably five. Well, you picked Saltburn. Let's let's just run this down, because I yeah. thought we were going to go, like, to seven films down mm-hmm. a list mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of ten, but now we're going to mm-hmm. go, like, 24. I said ten is a fluid number at the top of this episode. Pris- yeah. Saltburn, Priscilla, and On Swift Horses. So you have, I'm you not have... worried about Saltburn. I'm just worried about his inclusion in it. But I'm I am worried about Priscilla and On Swift Horses. Because you uh, really are a connoisseur of horse movies. Is what I'm hearing. That's correct. That's correct. He doesn't I, even uh, watch him anymore. I, no. I, if there's a horse no. in the film, yeah. Yeah. I can't get oh him to watch it. Oh my gosh, no. Mike is a Mike mm-hmm. horse movie truther. That's what I'm hearing right now from this conversation. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. There's a billion other animals out there. That's that preview, Sisu. I will watch that preview. I will watch that movie. Make everything about dogs. and pr- Promise me the dog lives, and I'll watch your movie. Enough with the horses. Well, since you mentioned dogs, I'm going to be honest. I was scrolling through Twitter while you guys were having that little meltdown just now. Um, and <laughs> someone said, "Give," because someone tweet, discussing film shared that um, Miyamoto says there's no doubt there will be more Nintendo movies with the success of the uh, Super Mario movies. So someone said, "Give them their film," and it's just the Nintendo dogs. Do you guys remember Nintendo dogs? <laughs> I think we should also have a Nintendo dogs movie. I agree. So since you I'm down dog with that. Movies, I'm I'm absolutely down with that. Yes, I, and I think the Nintendo Cinematic Universe is coming. Yeah, it's no doubt. How many Zelda movies are coming? That's, oh yeah, that's happening. I wonder if they'll be if they'll do any live action though. I don't know. Um, okay, can I give my last one because I may have to leave a little bit early on you guys yeah, go ahead. here. All right, my last one is the Untitled, the Ex- Exorcist requel, prequel. It's really a requel. Okay, uh, number one. And this is going to be the thesis statement. Very few Exorcist films have worked since The Exorcist. So that's Fair. that's my overall point. Also, it's completely fake and makes me angry because the church has lied to people for thousands of years about <laughs> mental illness in order to make them afraid and keep them subservient and, and paying tithes and etc. Mm-hmm. It's all lies. All right. 
Now, <laughs> the recent track record of the crew also isn't great. Like David Gordon Green, Scott Teams, Danny McBride, like that Halloween crew, guys. I, I, as much as you and I, Michael, we we like kills and we like ends more than other people because Correct. we're super fans and you've yes. turned me into one. We would both agree that after Halloween in 2018, those, those were not the films we th- hoped we would get. Very correct. So they're not doing great. I mean, they didn't do great by that IP. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we've also seen, I guess, I mean, The Pope's Exorcist just did well. Okay, I don't know what that means. It's going to make $50, 60000000 million worldwide or something on an $18 million budget. So The Pope's Ex- Exorcist will be profitable. But I think that's more of a Russell Crowe on a Vespa meme-based. <laughs> okay. Uh, Evil Dead Rise kind of took the action of an exorcism movie, of a possession movie. And the Evil Dead franchise has kind of you know, cornered the market on people versus demon action fighting so like the exorcist requels not going to be able to do that better than the evil dead movies so, so you're saying the market's saturated for the type of movie the exorcist is going to be well i looked up every exorcism slash possession slash demon movie of like the last 20 years guys and i only underlined a couple here that actually were well-reviewed, like the taking of Deborah Logan in 2014, which, Mike, you said you liked, 91%. It's really good. It's really good. There was this movie called The Cleansing Hour in 2019, 74%. Uh, Otherwise, I remember kind of liking, you know, they're okay. I kind of liked The Last Exorcism, even though that didn't do well. Uh, Well, I'm sorry, but The the Exorcism, Emily Rose, I kind of liked, even though that didn't do well. Excuse me. And then the the last exorcism was like a found footage version of that. The Devil and Father of Morth, unwatchable. I can go on and on down the list. And then you go back to like the actual exorcist franchise films, and none of them have worked both critically and financially. So that's a major problem. Like we have Blumhouse slash Universal slash Peacock paying four hundred million to make God. these exorcist uh trilogy of films that is 133 ish million for each film they were originally slated as a streaming play for peacock which is why peacock helped finance them and i just mentioned like the pope's exorcist on a 18 million dollar budget doing well evil dead rise is going to be profitable on a 17 million dollar budget We've, I mean, the list of those movies that I can give you are very small budget exorcism possession yeah, under films. So, do, is that do you know is that four hundred million part of the production budget or is that just the the licensing fee? I have no idea, but I believe these movies need to make big money. So the the finances are all off. And when I didn't you look they at paid that much, Jesus, it's one of those streaming gluttony plays, right? Where the, the at the height of the spending. Every streamer thought they should be spending 150 million on IP and hundreds of millions on IP. So, guys, I'm very worried about this movie. Even though I think the cast is strong, Leslie Odom Jr., Ann Dowd, Ellen Bernstein, Linda Blair. Uh, I'm 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 excited for David Gordon Green to redeem himself. Maybe I think uh, 
I think it's kind of cool that they're recalling this film because that's a very strong movie back in the day. I'm glad it was a horror movie nominated for Best Picture back in the day. It, it, it's a wild film, and, and it's a widely ambitious film because a lot of it's about, you know, psychology and stuff, even though it lies <laughs> through its teeth and I don't believe it. However, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, let's just put it this way it, it really pushed the genre forward and it was a huge worldwide hit 440 million dollars back in the you know the 1970s that's big bucks but no exorcist film has done well since then at least exorcist franchise film uh, other than like one no that even the prequels did bad mike so i don't i don't understand why something like this is like a big financial play for a big studio like why well, it goes back to the point I think Amanda made earlier, too. It's like, are remakes and, and this, I, 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 we've talked about this, like, is nostalgia turning its corner with everything now? Like, I think studios so. became so dependent, streamers became so dependent on reviving these old IPs and doing these legacy plays. And now, I mean, look at Marvel's box office returns, DC's box office returns. We're getting to a point, I think, where everyone's just kind of like, all right, we want new stories. We don't want nostalgia beaten over our head again and again. So that could be part of this. No, Mike? I I would agree with that. I want new stories myself. I don't need IP regurgitated here too forthwith. Yeah, I just I'm looking at this movie and I'm I'm very worried. It feels like a cynical. Let's bring this band back together because they did so well on Halloween. Let's bring David Gordon Green and his crew here. Does he really have a passion to tell the Exorcist requel? Is that really what he was put on Earth to do, or this is this a payday for those guys? I don't know. Man, any thoughts? Not particularly. I just think that, you know, I I just think that we're just tired of the remakes. And it's like they used to, I think they just need to stop making money at this point, which I know is kind of a tall <laughs> ass. But, um, you know, they're expensive because they just think, okay, well, we'll go bigger because we have the money now and it's going to make money. And so I think we just need to kneecap them and stop seeing these movies because – that's the only thing I think that's going to stop them from continuing to make them because they're just profitable. That's why they keep making them. And, you know, I, I'm personally, you know, the first few, it's like, okay, this is an interesting take. Like, I think that's why I mentioned about, you know, Maleficent and the original Alice in Wonderland remake. Like those were different takes on the stories or like a progression of the stories or from a different point of view, but just a straight remake with like edits basically, but live action, I don't think is good. And we're getting a very sterilized, boring version of movies from Hollywood. I uh, so I agree with you overall. Obviously, like especially with the Disney remakes, but those are billion-dollar grocers on two hundred million-dollar budgets. The Exorcist franchise films, the best, most profitable sequel to The Exorcist was the third one, which is kind of in the cult classic-y success range of making 44 million on an 11 million dollar budget so none and, and the two prequels already exorcist the beginning and dominion lost a ton of a shit ton of money so yeah, it's this, an ip that's been beaten up they did they this tried ip the has not they, worked. they even tried the tv show route there was a, a t, an exorcist tv show on fox for a couple of years that nobody watched mm. i remember so uh 
No, I think there's there's worthy concerns there, and I think uh, you know what, Mike, I'm gonna drop my last two, and I'll talk about them at a later date. But I know you got to run. But you hitting The Exorcist is exactly ten movies. If I did five and Amanda did two, <laughs> and you did, brought your three, we hit ten on the nose if we wrap up here. So, uh, Swell, thank you for waking up early with us and joining us once again. But where uh, give yourself some plugs here? Where can people find your work? You can find me on YouTube at Swell Entertainment and uh, on TikTok also at Swell Entertainment. Everywhere else you can find me at Love You Too Golka. My Twitter was hacked for nine days, but I got it back, so we're good. But also fuck good. you on. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's a running, uh, running theme, running tagline of this show, too. Yes, fuck Elon, indeed. Uh, <laughs> guys, uh, as always, we want to hear about your most feared films of this year. What are you kind of terrified for? And, and what do you think about any of the probably the uh, cases, I guess, that we made in this episode? Do you think we're wildly off based on any of those? As well, as always, you can leave us your com- thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the apple Podcasts or spotify apps if you appreciate what we do here if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out immensely uh michael very quickly what are some words of wisdom and let's have uh oh i guess words of wisdom to end on and what's coming next from us well we're going to do our 100 percent accurate predictions those Damn right. are always correct uh every year don't go back and look just don't but, go check uh, them yep. But uh, way too early Oscars predictions will be coming soon. We'll have uh, more Oscar race checkpoints, Oscar profile movie reviews, of course. And the words of wisdom are easy today because follow Amanda on social media. Subscribe to Swell Entertainment on YouTube and Patreon. She's traveling the country (laughs) so you don't have to. (laughs) Look at you. What a sell job. He's basically trying to get you to join my cult. That's what he's doing. Guys, when reality sucks, you can join a cult with us and our friends. Uh, Amanda, thank you very much for joining us once again. We will see you all very soon. See ya. Bye.